goal chance for Conor McGregor and he'll surely give it in Conor. What a goal! <laughs> Mackie heading it towards the 21 meter line. Team Mackie chance. still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! <laughs> I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Been a small change before the game, worth the street. <laughs> been a look, Donovan Connor, man. Wild effort on goal. It's oh, over! Oh, 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 it's over! It's over! Equalizer! Welcome to the Off the Ball GA podcast with myself, Shane Stapleton, and Oshin Langan. How are you doing, Oshin? I'm grand. How are you? Not too bad at all. Uh, you can give all your abuse to Oshin, which no doubt will follow at where? Oshin? At Oshin Langan. And do this likewise with myself at, at Shane Saint. All our GA coverage on News Talk is in association with Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship at hashtag hurling to the core. Oshin, we'll start off with the news. Where are we at? Uh, the Westmeath under-21 hurling goalkeeper got a lot of attention for a couple of reasons. During the week, they played Kilkenny. Now, unfortunately, they lost, but they gave it a right good rattle. Um, but he made some great saves. That's the first reason he got attention. The second is because when you were looking at the game, you were thinking, is that a massive beard he has under that helmet? And it was, complete with long hair. And I thought he was wearing a snood at first. I did as well. I couldn't figure it out because I, I was watching it on a laptop outside. I was enjoying the sun. And he was also wearing a tracksuit top on an incredibly hot evening. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, he's a physical presence. He's there. He's, he's a big man. He's a strong-looking man. And um, after I made some little inquiries about him online, he was in Extras in Vikings, that TV series that I've never watched. And what's, never uh, what's that show about? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. The title gives you nothing. Nothing at all. But... Um, yeah, so he made a lot of very good saves. Eventually, Alan Murphy scored a goal against him because Westmead were under massive pressure in the second mm. half. But what a performance by him. And uh, yeah, Westmead hurling under 21, they're pretty competitive. They are. And we've seen it with Carlo. They won a game at the under 21 or in the under 21 championship this year as well. Westmead beat Leash in the last round. So Westmead, Carlo, Leash, all kind of developing counties. And you just hope that whatever that next step is, that they can take it. That hopefully these players, the core of these good teams, will stay and drive on and that other players will follow through. Does that mean they need more funding from Crow Park? Probably. It has to happen. Yeah, there's no reason not to because a lot of the bigger counties, money's flowing in anyway and the obvious example is Dublin with their multi-million pound deal with AIG. And if you want these counties to develop, you have to continue putting funds in there that'll bring up the professionalism, that'll make the young, bright stars who might be tempted away by other sports think, yeah, I'll stick with Hurland. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely going to need that. Well, the thing about these other counties is, is with the respect to their footballing teams, they're not super. So if Hurling gets a run, there's no reason why Hurling couldn't get the best of the dual players. Well, particularly when you consider that there are fewer competing counties in Hurling that are up at that very elite level. You know, because in as much as it's tiered in Hurling, in a way it feels like football is. If if you're the 20th team in, in Hurling, you know, you might actually be and you're, you're playing in the Laurie Maher or, or, or whatever Nicky Rackard it is, that if you're in a Division 4 team or a Division 3 team, which is equivalently ranked at about 30th or something like that, you're probably actually closer to the top in Hurland than you are in football because the chasm with Dublin and the teams at the very bottom yeah. is absolutely huge. But uh, yeah, an awful lot has to go into these counties before they can um, push on. One county who are 
among those at the top in hurling, despite last week's defeat, is Waterford. But they have made changes to their backroom team. Owen Murphy has come in as a selector. Fergal Hartley has come in in an advisory capacity. Yeah, you definitely... I mean, that would have hurt you now, that last that defeat it's last done, weekend. But there are reasons for it, and I'm happy with that. OK, well, I want to hear the reasons. Now, well, just, just on this Owen Murphy thing, yeah. Philip Murphy came in at the start of the year, but he left during the league as a selector. And Fintan O'Connor had been in there for a couple of years, but he is now managing Kerry. So, Waterford, what are they going to do about the lack of goals? 13 goals in 14 games since Derek McGrath took over in terms of championship games. Seamus Callanan with 16 goals in that same amount of time. Yeah, I've seen you repeat that stat yeah, many, many times. Yeah, and I'm going to keep hammering it home. Mileage out of it. Doesn't what, make it any less true. What can Waterford do about it? Um, do you have the players? We don't have what you call massive ball winners in the forwards. We've got some very good and talented forwards, but they're not guys who you would say could win their own ball. Uh, they're not a Shamie Callan type. They're not even a, a Ryan O'Dwyer type of physical presence. Tom Devine is a huge loss, and I haven't heard people really talk about this much in the aftermath of the court game, which I'm really surprised by. Tom's touch was really coming right just before he left. Uh, the last couple of years, his first touch wasn't great, but he's very young. Like He won an under-21 All-Ireland last year. That tells you how young he is. And he also had a bit of a hand injury. So his touch was coming right, and he was a primary possession winner. And when he left, I was devastated because I knew that really reduced our chances of getting goals. Now, Patrick Curran, I thought maybe should have come on a bit earlier the last day. Is he like Tom in that physical ball-winning sense? He wouldn't be as physical, but he's, he's very capable. So I would like to have seen him on a bit earlier the last day. But it, look, Shane, no matter who we start with, no matter who we play, and I say we as a Waterford man, because that's the context in which you're asking the question, we are going, probably going to struggle to get goals. Yeah, because like Park Mahoney is an excellent hurler, but he's generally out around the 65. Rick Walsh, uh, we all know what his job is in terms of winning ball. He's not going to get you a goal. He's probably not even going to get you a point. Uh, Austin Gleeson, I don't necessarily... like. He's absolutely sensational yeah. in when used properly, which which is the difficulty. How do you get your best player and, um, and get the most out of him? And generally, that is the game plan for someone like Derek McGrath. They'll, they'll think, OK, how can I get the most out of Austin Gleeson? So once plan A failed, hmm. the whole thing failed. But... Just with the rest of the forwards then, Mara Shanahan has a lot of qualities, doesn't have pace. Shane Bennett does have pace. Stephen Bennett is a lovely hurler. I don't know if he has a whole lot of pace. And then I wonder, what other forwards do Watford have? A couple of years ago, Colin Dunford scored four points from play against Kilkenny in an All-Ireland semi-final. Patrick Curran has a bit of pace. And even Jake Dillon has a bit of pace. Brian O'Halloran can get out in front and turn and twist. He has, yeah. He, but He's pace as Especially well. those first three three guys that I'm naming. Because I think I've seen more from them in Championship to show that they can sure. get it done. And I'm wondering, why didn't he look for a little bit more pace in that team? Because it seems somewhat inevitable that... You know, I mean, we, even the last two times that Watford have played Tipperary in the Championship, they've scored 13 points and they've scored 16 points. Mm. Are you going to beat the very best no. teams with that sort of forward line and you could see how much of a struggle it was to even get points even though we were level at the break last mm. week our points came harder than Cork's if that makes any sense I would agree with everything you're saying there but 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 the ultimate point is coming into the game against Cork there was a lack of competitive action for this mm. Waterford team some of which was their own fault because there was no club games for in or around 8 weeks 8, eight weeks. weeks exactly yeah. and 11 weeks since their last competitive game 12 for Aston Gleeson because yeah. he missed the Exactly. It's very easy to say they got the approach to the league wrong. But I always think that when you win, everything you did was right. When you lose, everything you did was wrong. And the truth is somewhere in between. 
the competitive game that they have under their belts now will be a, a big, big positive going into the qualifiers. Not to mention the boot up the hole losing the game like that. Is exactly, as well. exactly. But you I'd know, still have them in the top uh, four. You know, I think yeah. they're an excellent team. I'm a big fan of Derek McGrath in general. Yeah. Um, but the problem with breaking into that top one or two is the lack of goals, and I just don't see how that's going to change. Exactly. Would you, if you were a Waterford fan, would you want Kilkenny in the qualifiers or would you want an Offaly or a Westmead, the game that, in theory, Waterford should win handily enough? No, I think the sooner you get Kilkenny, the better. Um, not because necessarily Waterford want the toughest team possible just yet, but because this is when Kilkenny are at their weakest because Michael Fenley, is he going to be ready? And as soon as he comes back into the team and the more game time that Porrick Welsh yeah. gets... And uh, if Richie Hogan has a chance to come right, all of a sudden they're a contender again. So sooner the better you get them. Let's move from hurling to football. Sligo in the clear, despite using seven subs as well. That was the, the accusation anyway. Yeah, well, it was in garbage time as well. The game was over. Yeah, it was done. I like If, if you're an Antrim player and you have to go and replay that because of this, uh, a, a sub error with three or four minutes gone in injury time when you're trailing by, what was it, six points? Yeah. You'd be kind of embarrassed. A little bit, you yeah. know, it'd be, it's, it's painful even talking about it. I think we should yeah. just move on swiftly. Good idea. Crow Park defends decision to delay hurling qualifier draw. Back to hurling. Yeah, I think it'd be a disrespect to Leash and Carlo if you did it before they played their match. Now, could they have played their match a little bit sooner, maybe? Because I think we'd all love to know what the draw is by now. You know, it would, it yeah. would add that sense of anticipation. But if you were Leash or Carlo as well, I think you wouldn't mind knowing who you were going to face. Because no matter who they play next it'll probably be a step up anyway so why not get why I, not give an incentive I remember actually in football right no, I'll give you a football no, example not, not for you not for you <laughs> not I'll for give me. you a football example a couple of years ago when Waterford played Clare in the championship under Jackson Kiley great character yes. great guy we should get him on actually working on a at dream at some point exactly book. yeah Damien Lawler fantastic writer um, anyway they were playing Clare and the incentive was hosting Kerry in the next round and we knew of course you know whether it was Clare or Waterford Clare were as bad as us back then, if I, if I can put it that way. Um, you knew you were going to be battered by Kerry in the semi-final, but you still wanted to play them. You still wanted to have that day out. And in the dressing room, Waterford had pictures of Dara O'Shea and some of the Kerry lads. And they were like, right, this is who we want to face. This is what we want in this field. So let's go and, they be, and, let's go and be clear. And they did. Now, needless to say, the game was live on TV and it was incredibly one-sided mm. uh, in Kerry's favour, just to clarify. But it was still a great day in Dungarvan to have Kerry. And I think it'd be the same with Carlo and Leash. It wouldn't be a bad thing for them to know who they were playing in the next round. Ah, look, I understand where you're coming from, but like I'm just picturing the scenario: the Leash and Carlo uh, lads, they have the match on Sunday. Yeah, they all go for their few pints afterwards, which of course they they deserve. They wake up Monday morning to the draw. I just think there, there's a bit more romance to that. Maybe that's me. I'm a romantic sort, as you know. Yeah. If that's what you consider romance, I feel (laughs) very, very sorry for any prospective future Mrs. Shane Stapleton. Uh, Davey Fitzgerald considering staying in the stand for the Leinster final. I think it's a really good idea for him to go into the press box because as you're aware in the press box, we're never wrong. So if you're a manager in there, you're never going to be wrong. He couldn't possibly be. But we've talked about this before because Eamon Kelly we had on and he was discussing how he uh, he chooses to sit up in the stand to look down because you get a better view. And that's precisely what Davy has said himself. He d- he did uh, say that, you know, um, there's a logic in why rugby managers do this. And I see one too because, like yourself, you're up in the press box, especially in Croke Park at Hogan Stand, and you just have an unbelievable view yeah. of the flow of the game, the formation, what teams are doing, where the runners are going. So 
if if himself and the likes of JJ Doyle and Porrick Fanning are up high as they were at Wexford Park, and they can just talk to Saoirse Bulfin down the sideline, yeah. I mean, what's and every team like? has spotters in the stand. But yeah. Ultimately, the manager makes the decision, and if he's on the sideline, that yeah. decision might be different, no matter what the spotters yeah. are telling him. So if he's up in the stand. And he can make that decision. He might be better off. It's more informed and it's less emotional because you're yeah. not there at the sideline and hearing the other manager spouting something and then you're reacting. You're, you're fully focused yeah. on the game and he can always go down for the second half if he wants anyway. Last one, special congress in September to decide the new hurling format. Weirdly, the reaction has been kind of muted towards this. There hasn't been the great debate that there was for the Super 8 in football. Yeah. I, look, you know my feeling on, on the, the particular proposal that's been put forward I don't actually yeah well look there's the proposal for the round robin stages in the in the provinces I just don't see it adding a whole lot as it's happened the provinces are relatively like Munster has turned out to be great this year as has well it's turned out to be great if you're Cork and you get two competitive games done early if you're Waterford and you pitch right into a semi-final that's unfair that's not right that is awful so but like for even for someone from Tipperary like myself yeah the, the province has become unbelievably interesting to watch as uh, from uh, an objective point of view. But I would just keep the uh, round-robin systems for play province off in a month, then round-robin system with everyone involved. So you can have Tip against Wexford, Galway, Kilkenny, all the one group. And, you know, they're all fighting for the two points every week. And all of a sudden you've got this unbelievable race for the top three or yep. four in a group. That's better. I think the Camogie have it bang right. And that's the example we should look at. Uh, you play your provincial championship as a separate competition and then you play round robin two groups and I think it is the winners who go through to the semi-finals and second and third go to quarter-finals mm. and if you really like if you if you really wanted to do it right what you could do is you could have that across kind of three separate divisions and have promotion and relegation and therefore yeah. you say to the teams who are whinging about oh well we want to be in with the better teams why shouldn't we well you should earn it like yeah. in every other sport so yeah that's that's one I constantly say but Shane does anyone ever listen to me no god no and why would they that's all the news anyway we'll uh, we'll be back with Matty Ford after this yeah! Carlo won the match and the feeder Wexford well done Carlo O'Brien well done Carlo well done the backroom team 217 to 213 they'll enjoy this one what a performance from Carlo well done teaching everyone this is the Off the Ball GA podcast in association with Borgash Energy proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship hashtag hurling to the core we have Matty Ford on the line now how are you doing Matty? afternoon Shane how are you? not too bad not too bad at all so this weekend Wexford the three hour trip over to Limerick Um, after being pummeled in the Division 4 final by Westmead and then losing to Carlo in the opener in Leinster you know things haven't been particularly smooth under Banty this year there was promotion up to Division 3 for next year so what's the mood like in Wexford at the moment in relation to football we know what it's like in hurling at the moment but in football um, well actually I was only talking to some of the guys after after training the other night um, I'm with the, the Wexford Miners so we were we were both training in Ferns in the, in the centre of excellence um, I know if the if the Limerick game had been maybe a week or probably even two weeks after the Carlo game, um, you know it would have been definitely would have been a no go. I think spirits were very very low at that stage. Um, but I think things have picked up since. In fairness, um, still not going to make it any easier. But you know I think they're probably in a better position now than they would have been as I said two or three weeks. Usually, I think a lot of the teams and players in particular are cursing the long break between um, you know losing in the provincial championship and playing in the qualifiers, but. 
Look, we'll only probably know on, on Saturday, but this could be a this could be a blessing for Wexford having that bit longer because I think a lot of lads will go back and play with the clubs and kind of get it out of the system. And you know they've, they've had a couple of good weeks since. So, but I suppose all will be all will be told at the weekend. Mm, I mean, traditionally losing to Carlo has never been a good look. I mean, there's there's great work going on there, but at the same time for Wexford, could you make some excuses? Dahi Waters was lost in the first half with a black card, and so was Colm Kyo to injury. So that's your two midfielders against the, probably the strongest sector of the Carlo team, where you've Brendan Murphy and uh, uh, and Sean uh, Murphy as well. So would yeah. you make any sort of excuses for them in that sense, or should you just be beating Carlo? No, look, there is, there is, there, there is ready-made excuses. Obviously, Owen Nolan was 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 uh, red carded as well with two yeah. kind of ju- dubious enough uh, yellow cards, and then I think what we have is a blatant penalty turned down as well. But I think even still, we like we probably still should have beaten Carlo, and that's no disrespect to them. Carlo are putting in a huge amount of work, um, you know, and that showed against Dublin as well. But um, you know, I think even allowing for all those, you know, the the injury, the black card, the red card, and probably the, the missed penalty, I think it's probably a game we still possibly could have won. Matty, you've given very legitimate reasons why you didn't beat Carlo there. Shane mentioned the Division 4 final in which Wexford were pummeled. Now, it's two losses in a row, and I guess maybe I'm looking at this and trying to come up with some kind of lazy excuse for those two losses and maybe a reason why Wexford should be worried ahead of the Limerick game. One of them being that maybe they peaked a bit too early and while they got out of Division 4, and arguably arguably that's more important than anything they'll do in the Championship, maybe they faded a bit. Do you, do you do you put any stock in that or is that, again, me just looking from the outside, having not seen them play and just kind of coming to a lazy conclusion? No, look, to be fair, looking on results, it's pretty hard to disagree with that. Um, they actually lost three in a row because they lost to Carlo in, I think, the, the, the last um, Westmead second last league game, Carlo the last league game, then the league final and then to Carlo again. Um, so, you know, that's it's, it's, it's four. It's what, three in a row, so it's not... It's not good. Like I, I wouldn't say that the Dr. Waters, Colin Kyo things are excused. They probably are valid enough reasons. But to, well, for me, it's a bit worrying. Um, you know, it's a good fight since we've lost to Carlo in the championship. But you know, again, I think that's probably doing them a little bit of a disservice that they really have come on. But like certainly when the draw was made, um, you know, and even after the Carlo game, we were trying to myself and a couple of others were talking about it and were kind of struggling looking for a fixture that Wexford you know would be able to win in the qualifiers and you know going away to Limerick is far from a gimme yeah. and. You know, I, I definitely will be worried about the weekend. And they've probably gone the other way. They started badly and got a little bit better. What has uh, Banty brought style-wise to this Wexford team? I mean, when you look at Wexford, is it exactly like watching Monaghan and Meath when Banty was over them? Because he does have a certain style and he does bring something. But has he brought that to Wexford? Um, I think definitely during the early rounds of the league, of some of the games that I've seen, definitely the work rate um, was kind of would have been up a huge amount from what it probably was over the last couple of years the work rate of the forwards in particular yeah. and that's a real really banty thing isn't it yeah it definitely is and does like to play with a sweeper which we would have been, which lads would have been doing with during large parts of the league look at the tried playing with probably more than one two or maybe even three in the league final and that certainly didn't work it's not something I think that that really suits Wexford football um, but like I think there's definitely you can see a style of his, of his own that he has stamped on the team but you know, look, there definitely could be something in it that you know maybe the peaked early on in the in the season. They did certainly do an awful lot of work um, pre Christmas and worked very very hard. And you know, I think that showed in the in the early rounds of the league. You know, a good a good home win to Limerick, and then you know going away to Leitrim, which is always a tough place to go and win in as well. And you know, eventually getting out of the division. But um, look, at I suppose uh, Saturday will really only tell tell exactly. But you know, there definitely could be something in it that they possibly peaked early in the year. 
Just just curious, Matty, in terms of outside managers coming into a county like Wexford. You know, Jason Ryan did so well with your team. Um, you have Davy Fitz coming in and there's an immediate kick and a buzz in the county. And then maybe you were involved with David Power, who was in before Banty, who's another outside manager. Is, is it tough to get buy-in from the county when they come into to Wexford, or is it just dependent on results? Um, I suppose if you mean buy-in from players, I don't think it is. Uh, buy-in from... Look at realistic live notes over my time playing with very, very poor Wexford teams to, like, I think, in fairness, quite good Wexford teams that uh, supporters in particular buy in when you're winning games. And it, I think it really is as simple mm. as that. I think certainly, obviously, the manager has a big say in that of, you know, the direction the team are going in and stuff like that. Obviously, the players available to you as well. But we have noticed I played National League games at the start of my career where, you know, there wouldn't have been 50 at it to play in games in, when we're in Division 1 with maybe five and a half, six, seven thousand people in Wexford Park. And, you know, I think it's certainly gone full full circle now where it's back where it was, would have been at the start of my career with very low numbers at league games and stuff like that. And, you know, supporters follow winning teams. That's that's no surprise. Um, you know, I think in 2008 when we got to the Allard semi-final, you know, while we weren't getting big numbers, we were getting thousands at, match, at, at matches rather than hundreds. Um, but, you know, as I said, it's kind of gone full circle again where the bigger support obviously was always for Hurling and they're back following Hurling again. And I think the fact that football has kind of look gone backwards, I think I don't think there's any mm. there's any other, there's any way of, of, of uh, dressing it up. Um, probably makes it even look worse at the moment. And does that also uh, translate to the players that are opting for Hurling over football? Um, look, at, I'd say it has to have a certain amount to do with it. I know, as I said, from the time we were been going well around 2008, um, the likes of Red and Brian Malone and possibly even Kieran Ling, you know, the hurlers certainly were, were looking for them at stages, but um, in fairness to the lads and Red always stuck with us and Kieran and Brian the same. Um, like, there's obviously hurlers now uh, that would definitely be on the football team. I don't think there's any doubt about that, um, that some of the lads would love to have, but you can't blame players. Look, at they're, they're playing in front of playing leagues in front of eighteen and twenty odd thousand people, and they all have a chance to win silverware. And you know, that's that's as a player, that's very hard to turn down as well. You would have been part of a great team that got to an All Ireland semi final that were unlucky not to win Leinster. And I guess the hope when a county does something like that is that it will drive young lads to play football. Are you noticing with the minors that some of them? are kind of sticking with football and playing football because of what you guys did that you had an influence? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure about that. Probably yeah. had we won a Leinster, it definitely would have given things a bigger shot in the arm. Um, I know, look, obviously it's 2004 since, I think, since the Hurlers won Leinster, but, you know, they have been there, thereabouts, been in Ireland quarterfinals and stuff like that, but we probably realistically needed to get over the line to give it an even bigger shot in the arm, but, you know, we have... I think six, seven dual players, guys that would have played hurling this year, that you know were were mad to play football as well, and, and that's a good sign. But you know, the, the I suppose coming down the line for them, they're going to have to make the choice as well because you know playing both is is not an option anymore. Um, but you know, you look at you would like to think that we we did did influence some of these chaps to to play and and to keep playing football, but I suppose we'll we'll never really know. You, you spoke at last year about how you wouldn't really want to play football in this particular era and having coached uh, like as forwards coach with Wexford and now with the minors has that like is your feeling on that the same and you know would you still not want to play in this particular era definitely not um, yeah. I just I was at the, we played the Carlo minors before the senior game the curtain raiser a couple of weeks back and uh, you know I was just sitting in the stands with, with one of the one of the minor selectors and I was just looking down at you know a lot of guys I would have played with PJ Banville and 
Kieran Ling and stuff like that, Ben Brosnio, and to be honest, on the day, I felt really sorry for him that, yeah. you know, yeah. the ball, was being, if it was being kicked in, there were three on one, four on one, six on two, stuff like mm-hmm. this, and, you know, uh, I'm for, from a Wexford point of view, and I've said this before about teams uh, like Wexford as well, I'm struggling to see where the, where the enjoyment is. You, you cannot go out and have a one-on-one battle with any, anyone anymore. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, if I was actually playing football now, the, the one place you would like to probably play is wing-back, because you're near, you're more or less allowed to nearly do whatever you want. You, you definitely play more football than the corner forward, I think, in, in these times anyway. Mm. So Limerick only lost to Clare, who were Division 2 side, by a point in Munster. And um, with home advantage, do you think that uh, Wexford chances are slim enough here, or do you still give them a shout? I'd look, I'd definitely give them a shout. As I said, I was talking to some of the lads after training the other night, and things have certainly... And like you know, the, the, they said it themselves, their things were very low after the after the Carlo game um, but you know it has picked up over the last couple of weeks but you know as the draw when I seen you know I kind of said you know Limerick straight away a tight game um, I know Wexford are a Division 3 team now but you know there's only a couple of points in it this year in the National League um, and it was in Wexford Park but Limerick are a notoriously tough team to play in the Championship and you know they've proved that over a long number of years again a lot of a lot of bigger teams probably than Wexford um, and as you say they only lost to Clare by a point and you know Clare in fairness are a fine team um, so I think it's going to be very, very difficult for our lads on Saturday. Yeah, and then just looking into Munster, uh, or sorry, into Leinster, where uh, Westmead are going to be facing Dublin. Obviously, Westmead beat Wexford in that Division Four final. In the last couple of seasons, Westmead have done relatively okay in the Leinster finals. Um, at the same time, the score lines were particularly close. It was double digits both days. And even looking back to their last four meetings in the championship, the average is 18 points between them. What sort of chance do you give Westmead, and how do you think they should even set up? Um, that's a good one. I think yeah. they definitely like. I think they have to attack them. There's no doubt about that. Um, like realistically, they've been the second best team in 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 um, Leinster in the last couple of years. You know, they've been beaten in the two Leinster finals, obviously. But you know, for good periods of those matches, they have been able to put it up to Dublin. And you know, uh, the, the league final with Wexford and Westmead, it was that, and it was like men again, boys. You know, Wexford were never really in the game. Yeah. Um, Westmead, Westmead did look good. Um, you know, what can we draw from the Westmead Offley games? You know, I'm not too sure. Uh, you know, they won comfortably at home, you know, after, I suppose, kind of slipping up the first, I think, Offley finished with 13 men. But, like, uh, can I see Westmead winning the game? No. Um, I think probably, the, I think the, the, the spread on it has about 12, 13 points. And I don't think it's probably going to be that high, but I can see Dublin kind of winning and um, comfortably enough, I think. Matty, Dublin without Dermot Connolly, as they will be until the All-Ireland semi-final. You, uh, as a talented man, I guess that made you also a targeted man. What advice would you give to Connolly regards trying to stay calm on the pitch, even when guys are really getting in your face? And I appreciate it's very easy for someone like me to say, oh, the guy needs to stay calm when I've never been out there. I've never faced that kind of intensity or, or aggression. Um, I don't know if I'm the right fella to be giving him advice. Well, I did think uh, of that as I asked the question, but uh. <laughs> um, I'd probably tell him to do exactly the opposite as I was doing. Look, at I the amount of people have said it to me over here. Oh, you, you stay calm, and uh, to be honest, I've kind of flipped at it a few times and said, "How in name of F do you actually keep calm?" Like, uh, there is there is certain things you can do. You have to walk away from a certain amount, but look, at it gets to the stage where it gets very tough. Like I see in uh, clips of the Clare. Uh, Kerry game recently where a Clare cornerback literally stood facing James O'Donnell for the whole match pushing him in the chest and I was just going like uh, I don't know I don't know how long I could handle this for look at James O'Donnell who ended up scoring 10 points and on his day Dermot Connolly can certainly do it as well but um, you know 
look at realistically when he comes back, the very first game he plays, there's a guy going to be sent in to do exactly the same and a whole lot more. And to be honest, I don't have the answer of, of what to actually do. It's easy for people to say to you, oh, look, get on with the game and don't think about it and do X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't know if it's that straightforward, to be honest. So what sort of stuff would you have come up against? The typical standing on your toes, pinching you, pushing you? All the pull, stuff you call, do, Stephen. Yeah, all the, the stuff pitch, I yeah. do in hurling. But uh, what, what's the worst sort of stuff you came up against? And obviously you don't want to name names, but just to give no, no, a sort of... No, names, it's all right. If you, if you don't mind, but just to give a flavour <laughs> to people who are listening, you know, of what the likes of Connolly might be up against. Actually, look, at you can be certain an awful lot of it is verbal as much as physical. Um, Personal? You know, like, would they yeah. even be looking up stuff about you to throw at you? Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, a lot of the, the well-known ones about family members and stuff like that. Look at all that this goes on. This is going on in club matches, and there's no doubt about that. It's still going on, and it's probably, to be honest, it's probably becoming, becoming even more prevalent than it was um, years ago. But all that stuff is is alive and well. And look, I, I spoke just about briefly about Jim Connolly, I think, on a podcast recently, and you know, people have made it out that I was standing up for him. I wasn't, in essence, standing up for him. What I said was, he's putting up with every bit as much or abuse as he's given out. Um, and I think that is the case, whether it's physical or verbal. You know, he, I, I, I'm not saying what he done was right or wrong, and that he should or shouldn't have been suspended for it. But um, he certainly has 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 his fair share to deal with as well. Um, you know, and I don't think anywhere in the rule book where it says that that physical and verbal abuse to a player completely off the ball is is legitimate either. Do you think something should be done about this? Because we're focusing in on Connolly and you, you're saying it's a, it's a problem for him, but it seems to be a problem for, for many, many forwards and many, many players. Do refs do enough? Can refs do enough? Do they need extra help? What would you like to see done? I think it's virtually impossible to police it, to be fair. You know, the ball is down the far end of the field and me and my marker are running around here. Who, who's, going to, who, who's standing beside him to hear what he's saying, what he's doing, like that? You, you can pick up a very small amount of it. Um, probably on camera and stuff like that the, the physical part but the, the, the verbal part is just as I said it's more or less impossible to police and I think that's why it's that's why it's still going on but you know you see this thing of, of you know a, a, a good player like a Connolly giving away a free and two and three people coming in to you know I suppose jostle I suppose for the want of a better word and say stuff to him and stuff like that I think that, that that's something that can be clamped down on you know that should be I think stopped straight away because that, that's obviously where the ball is and where the where the play has happened, there can be something done about. But in general, it's going to be something that's going to be very hard to, to clamp down on. And just a final thing then, Matty, just in looking at it in a wider lens, Dublin lost the league final, but maybe the likes of Jack McCaffrey wasn't playing and maybe Kerry really targeted that game. Do you still see them as the team to beat? Or Tyrone, all of a sudden, they look pretty, um, they looked excellent against um, Donegal. So what would you see the pecking order as right now? Yeah, look at Tyrone. I think have definitely have definitely moved up to pecking order again. Obviously, Kerry are still there, but I I still think um, Dublin are the team to beat. Um, you know, the the, the <coughs> league final defeat could possibly just kind of refocus the whole thing again. You know, they were always likely to have, you know, relatively speaking, a handy enough run to the Leinster final. Where, in fairness, now Kildare look like if to get there, Kildare look like serious contenders um, after after last weekend. Um, and then like obviously the, the real business of the quarter final um, on the August Bank holiday or you know a Dublin worst case scenario a qualifier before that but you know I still think with the players that weren't playing that day um, you know their training probably wasn't ramped up as much as other sides at that stage of the season um, I still think there's a lot to come from Dublin Thank you very much uh, Matty Thanks lads
This is Off The Balls GA podcast. Now we have the Suns GA reporter, Jason Byrne. How are you doing, Jason? Not too bad, Shane. How's things? Not too bad. Uh, did you enjoy Donegal's performance against Throne last weekend, your native county? Ah, Jesus, um, Shane. Leave him alone, will you? Sure, look. Kicking it off like that. You're lucky he's still on the line. Anyway, go on, Jason. I am, I am still on the line, Shane. Thanks very much. I actually watched the second half surrounded by... Um, Waterford Hurling men enjoying their pints. I don't think they quite knew what was going on, but uh, I didn't enjoy it, if I'm honest. But uh, I suppose it was a very, very difficult day for Donegal. Tyrone really turned the screw. And, you know, there's a lot of online stuff going around there about the players and the management at the minute. I think it's a bit over the top. Um, Tipperary-esque almost, is it? Sorry? Is it quite as bad as the Tipperary stuff that went swirling around after the last uh, trail of Cork? No, no, it wouldn't be as bad as that, Shane. There's nothing uh, at that level, thankfully. But, uh, you know, I think people have been a bit spoiled in Donegal in the last few years and they forget uh, that we had many, many dark days before Jim McGuinness took charge. And I think um, it will come with this young team and they just need a bit of patience and a bit of support. So hopefully they get back on track against Longford in the qualifiers when that comes around on July 1st. So. Mm. And you know, speaking of dark days, Armagh aren't exactly flying this year. They lost to Down, who wouldn't be seen as leading lights at mm. the moment. So it's year three for um, for Geezer, Kieran McGinney, and he was in with Paul Grimley before that when we thought that this team could actually go pretty far when they pushed Donegal pretty far in 2014, I think it was. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's some people out there who say that he's not all he, he's made out to be, that he's selling snake oil. But he, like, he has done good work with Kildare, and there was a feeling he'd push on with Armagh, but it just hasn't happened. No, it hasn't happened at all, Shane, and it's it's very hard to put your finger on it. I suppose they were they were very wasteful against Down the last time out and you know, Down beat them fifteen points to two seven, but Down had so much to prove coming into that game that they come in they've come in for a huge amount of flack in the last couple of years, particularly under Eamon Burns and they went so long without a victory and I just think Down had that bit of hunger on the day to get over them like and they just had that kind of mental edge. Armagh, you know, they were quite poor in the day, but their the wastefulness in front of the goal, I think, was the, the big difference. Like, and Down just really looked up for it. I think they had eight different scorers, which probably hasn't happened for them uh, in a long, long time. And I suppose the, all the off-field stuff with Armagh involving Geezer himself probably didn't help with the, the lengthy touchline ban. And, you know, he probably hoped to get a bit of a, a siege mentality out of that, similar to what Davey got from Wexford in the hurling, but it just hasn't happened for them. And it's hard to believe as well, Shane, that uh, nine years ago in 2008, Armagh and Fermanagh were actually the Ulster finalists and it went to a replay. And, uh, you know, times have certainly changed a lot for both counties since then. But, um, you know, it has been a very uh, disappointing couple of years for Armagh. And, uh, you know, it, it hasn't been happening for them at underage as well. And they just don't seem to have the the leaders that they had when Geezer was playing himself. And that bit of class up front here, likes of... Oshin McConville and uh, Stephen McDonnell and all these boys and you know someone like Francie Bellew at the back who just takes absolutely no nonsense from anyone so um, you know it's you know it's a very it'll be a very difficult encounter for them but you know they'll be glad they're at home against Fermanagh that's for sure and um, they'll fancy themselves getting back on track especially in relation to the amount of players Fermanagh have lost in the last year or two when they went on that uh, memorable qualifier run of course uh, two years ago which brought them to another quarter final against Dublin yeah, the only thing is Pete McGrath, he seems to have been able to keep his panel together this time and he's got Rory Corrigan back after a shoulder injury and Declan McCusker as well who had a hand injury. So, you know, they weren't all that far away from Monaghan in, in the Ulster Championship either. I mean, Monaghan pulled away, I suppose, once Owen Duffy came on. But you'd have to give Fermanagh a decent shout here. 
Oh, you were, of course. Like, and as you said, those two players coming back is a, a massive, massive lift to the Fermanagh. Like, you know, I remember talking to, to Pete before the morning game, and he he didn't know what to do. He'd lost, you know, an obscene amount of players through injury and whatnot. But, uh, you know, Rory Corrigan's a, a serious talent. And, of course, his brother Tomas as well. We all know what he can do, especially from set pieces. Like, he can, he can kick scores for fun from anywhere. And, the, you know, since 2015, I suppose, the... The thing for Fermanagh has been that Sean Quigley's been gobbled up in a lot of games, you know, uh, when they did get that bit of exposure and a bit of TV time uh, two years ago, especially against the Dubs, people saw what he was able to do. And, you know, he's had to contest with being double marked, as have a lot of top forwards around the country. So, um, you know, if he can get space as well, you know, he can certainly bully defenders and cause massive problems. And if he gets the ball in or in the square, you know, he can be... He can be uh, definitely sure that he can rattle one into the back of the net so he's still a very very dangerous forward even though he's been uh, marked uh, extremely since they they um, they got to the All-Ireland quarterfinal two years ago. It's an ideal situation this for Fermanagh isn't it because all the focus will probably be on Armagh ahead of this game and as Shane has mentioned Fermanagh had a pretty good 50 minutes maybe against Monaghan so if they can replicate that they have a chance. Absolutely, Oshin, you know, and they'll have a, you know, they have a great backing down there in Fermanagh too. I know they haven't got many clubs, and uh, but, you know, there'll be a huge amount of green and white heading up to the, the athletic grounds on Sunday evening as well. They definitely have nothing to lose. People love the fact that all the attention will be on Armagh, you know. Uh, you know, Pete McGrath's been along, around a long time. He's he's moved forward as the game's moved forward, and, uh, you know, it was it was... 25 years ago or so when he was winning All-Irelands with Down, but he his, his forward thinking has moved as the game has moved and he'll absolutely love the fact that all the tension will be on our man. He'll, he'll instill that into his players as well. They, they do have, still have a lot of experience and uh, they'll definitely fancy their chances and any any Ulster game, in, in the, especially in the back door, can go anyway, even though the Ulster Championship in the last year or two hasn't produced uh, you know the tight games that we're used to seeing throughout the province uh, you know in recent times. Jason, we're used to seeing qualifiers on a Saturday night. We've even had a match on a Friday night. I seem to remember maybe 10, 15 years ago with a hurling match on a Thursday night. I don't remember a qualifier on a Sunday evening like this. Do you think that will have any effect on the crowd or maybe even the atmosphere? And when I say effect on the crowd, I mean the amount of people who will go. And it's a great place to play a game too. It's such a a tight place. place, It's, It's actually great. Um, I don't know if it'll have a, a particular effect on the RMF for Mana game, lads, because because it is, you know, maybe an Ulster derby and uh, half past six. I'm sure the Fermanagh lads will like to get up there early and get a few drinks <laughs> in and take in the, the Dublin game as well at four yeah. o'clock on the Lots telly. Of time so, for Carvery as well. Yeah, of course, Oshin, you're, you're a madman for the Carvery. You need to be careful with that. But, he uh, has them in front of him. He has them in front of him. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, but the because of the fact that they're kind of quite close together, I wouldn't think it would affect that particular fixture. But the other fixture at half six would be an off-lane cabin. I would think it might have an, a, bit of, a bit of an effect on that one, all right. Because uh, it is a strange throw-in time, half six for both of those. Mm. And uh, looking at the Offaly versus Cavan game, Cavan, you'd imagine, would come through that one. Offaly took um, Westmead to a second game, but faded late on. They probably can make their excuses, but you'd have to fancy Cavan here because they look like they're on a bit of an upward curve. Yeah, of course, and Manny McLennan's a, a great manager, a great motivator. Like, when you hear the likes of Sean Cavanagh, uh, bigging up what he can do, I think, you know, it, it speaks volumes. Like, he's a former Tyrone player, 
Uh, you know, he's brought a new niece of life into Cavan. I suppose Terry Highland felt that he brought them as far as he could go. And Cavan uh, did themselves proud against Monaghan. You know, they only lost by three points in the end up in what was a big, big derby. And, uh, you know, they'll have been disappointed to lose at home. But, uh, you know, Cavan done themselves very proud that day as far as everyone's concerned in the county. And, um, you know, they can see things building nicely down there under uh, Matty McGlynn. And he's got some great young players and, you know... Uh, they have they've a lot of poise up front. They, you know, they'll yeah. probably go down there and start off a bit defensively just in case. But they're heavy favourites coming into this one as well. And Offaly were, you know, I think Offaly were quite disappointed. They came away from that first game against Westmead without the victory. But Westmead took them back to Mullingar and just kind of blew them out of the water and took the shackles off and started playing a bit of football because I don't think there was much football played in the first game between the teams in Tullamore. Matty McGleanan, he said to me after a McKenna Cup game, it was actually against Tyrone and they won the match, that he is not going to put 15 men behind the ball, his team are going to play football. Has he stuck to that? He has, he has to an extent. Oh, I, would, I would feel like, you know, um, we're seeing a bit more from the likes of Cian Mackey, Shawnee Johnson and Gerald McKiernan than we probably did under Highland. Uh, but, you know, against you know, against Monaghan, maybe at times he didn't have a choice. And, uh, you know, against other Ulster teams, maybe you don't have a choice. But against this awfully side, I do expect them to to play a bit more. Like, and they're two to nine favourites, I think, which Cavan won't be used to. But I don't think that'll phase them either. And, uh, you know, I, I fully expect them to get down there and get the job done and get into round two, no problem. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll fancy themselves of going on going in a bit of a run in the back door too. Yeah, and there's there's two other games to look at this week in the, in the qualifiers. One is Carlo visiting London. I would imagine that Carlo will fancy their chances after doing pretty well against Dublin. Um, London only won one game from the seven league games, and uh, you know Carlo won four. And the fact that they went on to beat Wexford, I'd imagine you'd have to even if it is in London, you'd have to just about look for Carlo here to win. Oh, of course, yeah. And yeah. Brendan Murphy will be the difference up front. You would think, uh, you know, playing Dublin, regardless of what happened, will be a, a huge experience for Carlo. And they'll always look back on the summer with great fun, no matter what happened, because no one expected them to be the Wexford either, I suppose. And Turlock O'Brien's a great football man. He's a, he's a great manager. He knows what he's doing. He travels up and down the country in, in his car, looking at games, and he goes on his bike as well, if he can. So... Um, I think that game's on at 1 o'clock so Carlo can actually get a flight back in the evening and get all the lads to work on Monday morning but um, you know it'll be interesting to see how Owen Mulligan does in this one if he does feature for London you know I remember him telling us in the lead up to the Leitrim game that there was no way he was going to play but sure enough there he was so um you know he's 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 you know he's got a lot of mileage on the, on the legs and the, on the clock but you know he can still kick scores for sure and London have some decent players but I would definitely fancy Carlo to be in round two from that one. And I, I did say there was one other qualifier, but in fact it's the Ulster Senior Football Championship semi-final between Down and Monaghan. <laughs> like last year, Down were hammered by Monaghan, 22 points to nine, and mm. they ended up getting knocked out in the qualifiers by Longford, who we know have a history of uh, causing upsets in the back door. Yeah. Like in the last number of years, have Down kind of, you know, Danny Hughes was on News Talker off the ball earlier in the year and he was really bemoaning the state of Down football. Have mm. they become a little bit irrelevant for such a traditionally powerful county? Yeah, well, a lot of people in, in Down would, would argue with you there, Shane, for sure. But, you know, from, from the rest of us looking from the outside in, it's, it's hard to argue with that. 
you know, they've had a very forgetful few years. It's common knowledge that a lot of the best footballers in down aren't playing for one reason or another. That seems to be a problem in a, a lot of counties at the minute, yeah, um, whether that's in terms of management or logistics or I don't know. There's a, you know, there's all sorts of different reasons that I'm sure we don't know about or can't comment on. But uh, yeah, they've certainly, you know, the, you know, I think when they beat um, when they beat Armagh, it was their first one in the Ulster Championship for five or six years. That speaks volumes for a team that. We're expected to win the Ulster Championship um, year in, year out in the 90s and, you know, had great All-Ireland ambitions and, you know, could have won an All-Ireland in 2010 against Cork. Um, you know, they just haven't got a, a Benny Coulter anymore and that's just the way it is. And, you know, they're very much in transition like many other counties. But um, I'm sure they'll yeah. come back around and things will change there. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen in the in the immediate future, that's for sure. Yeah, the last couple of years for them has been more Benny Hill than Benny Coulter. If mm. Monaghan do get to the Ulster final, which it is likely, could we argue that they've got there without really being tested? Oh, you could definitely argue that, Oshin. Yeah, you know, um, the Cavan game was a test to an extent. They were put to their pin of their collar, but Monaghan didn't have to hit top gear for yeah. a lot of that game. And, uh, you know, Malachy O'Rourke's been there for a few years now. He knows what it's all about. And, you know, he's got other players like Owen Duffy and Conor McCarthy and Jack McCarron coming through now uh, to take the heat off McManus because it was all about Conor, uh, no matter what you say, for a few years, you know, in terms of where they got their scores. And he's still, like, one of the best forwards in the country. So, um it is fair to say they haven't been tested, but if they do get there, which they should, uh, you know, you'd fancy them to, to give Tyrone a, a bruising encounter, to say the least, when they meet in uh, when they meet in Clonus on the 16th of July. Do you think Down can get enough out of the likes of Harris and maybe Quaylon Mooney and Darrow O'Hanlon? Because, you know, Jack McCarran and Conor McManus are obviously going to be expected to do a bit of scoring for um, Monaghan. But do you think that there's any chance that Down can get enough scores out of their men and they'll probably play with a bit of a blanket too? Yeah, they probably will. Like, I think O'Hanlon got four points against Armagh the last time out. Harrison got three from play as well. So, you know, that'll be a nice boost for them. And as I said earlier, the fact that they got eight different scorers probably hasn't happened a lot for Down in recent years. And, you know, they'll take a nice boost out of that. And uh, he he emptied the bench as well. You know, Mark Poland came on. He's got a lot of experience. Aidan Carr there too, even though he came on very late. And Neil McParland came on. Uh, in the in the back line as well for for Anthony Doherty, I think he got a black card with about fourteen minutes to go. So, uh, you know, it's it's very hard to know. Like it's it's about you know you could easily see Down going out and getting walloped uh, on on Saturday night, and then maybe you know just they could be gone completely from the championship after that, depending on the qualifier draw, which is already a bit of a authority one with some of the names that are in there. So, um, you know, th- their season could be over very very quickly if I'm honest, lad. Yeah, I, I think we'd all go for a Monaghan win there. Uh, there's just one game in the Senior Hurling uh, Championship this weekend. That's the quali- preliminary round qualifier between Leash and Carlo. Does it, the interesting thing about this game is that no, more or less the whole country outside of these two counties are really paying attention. Maybe a couple of the other teams that are going to be waiting in the qualifiers mm. have one eye on it. And yet at the same time, six of these players that, that'll line out on Sunday assuming Chad Dwyer is fit because there's a bit of a doubt over him six of them, six of them will have played in a Fitzgibbon Cup final earlier this year for IT Carlo under DJ Carey so it's not as if there isn't quality there so just to name a few of them Chad Dwyer Stephen Picky Maher Ender Rowland Dwayne Palmer uh, Marty Kavanagh and James Doyle so there's actually plenty of quality in here even though it's not a, a Hollywood fixture Yeah exactly like and you know um I'd say I'd say both, both managers will be happy enough that you know there isn't a lot of 
focus on them. Like I think Willie Dunphy's clear to play for Leash as well. Yeah. After uh, you know he got sent off against Wexford, so that's a nice boost, boost for Leash. Like Eamon, Eamon Kelly's been on the managerial roundabout in the last couple of years. He, you know, he hopped from Kerry to Offaly and into Leash, and uh, you know he, he knows what he's doing, and he can get he can get a lot out of players. Like and of course Cheddar put in uh, a good foundation there in Leash. I think is. is Journalists, we were all sad to see him go, but yeah. uh, you know he he put in a, a fairly strong bed of players there, and Carlo will be will be riding high on the back of Christy Ring's success, and they'll definitely fancy their chances too. And uh, you know the the fact that there's not much attention on the game, and say both teams will just want that, and they'll be happy enough with it. And uh, you know there's a big incentive for Leeds to win here too, because. If they do get into the the qualifiers proper, they'll have a, a double header with the footballers uh, who face Clare in the back door. So uh, that'll be a big incentive for them to have a, a big day in Port Leash the following weekend. Yeah, and I saw Leash play against Wexford in in Leinster earlier this year, and they were very impressive for a half an hour. You know, like Chad Wire arguably should be in the forward line. He was quite good. Now did, the whole team did tire in the second half, mm. and Wexford ultimately ran away with it. But they have got a bit of quality in the forward line with Picky Maher. They've got Paddy Purcell in midfield. They've got a lot of pace in the team, and I'd imagine like with Carlo coming, like they'll be riding, they'll be riding high after winning the Christie Ring. But you would imagine the. The championship experience that um, that Eamon Kelly's side have had this year will make a bit of a difference. Yeah, like I, I think I was sitting beside you that day, Shane, yeah, when, they, when they played Wexford. Like they, they did start very impressively, and there's the way they took their scores. They defended very well at the start too, when Wexford were hell bent on getting an early goal, which they did eventually get, of course, and pulled away. But uh, you know they will take massive positives from that game, even though there was a a, a feral gap between the teams come the end, and Wexford's fitness was was a massive difference, and Leash just got tired, as you said. But uh, you know their their ability to take scores, I thought some of their score taking that day was fantastic. You know they looked really really sharp up top, and they did work very very hard around the middle and in the half back lane to keep Wexford out, and that'll definitely stand to them. They've had a nice sell break from that game as well, um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use that because. You know, and they've they've had the experience of coming through the, the qualifier group as well, of course. So, you know, they've a lot of they've a lot of championship experience already this year, so um it'll be interesting to see how they get on and how they fare. Jason Byrne of the Sun, thank you very much for joining us. No problem, boys. This is the Off the Ball GEA podcast in association with Borgash Energy, sponsor of the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship, hashtag hurling to the core. Oshin Wista will finish off with a little bit of Cauldron of controversy. Yes, just to remind people what the cauldron of controversy oh, is. Well, just in case someone has logged on for the first time or is listening for the first time or is interacting for the first time or whatever term you're supposed to use for podcasts. Um, every week we pick something from the GA's dark history mm. and remind our listeners, stroke interactors, stroke customers. Stroke, I don't know what you call yourselves, listeners, whatever. We remind you of, of it. And this yeah. week, this week, it's very apt. Yeah, well, like we're talking about you going from your Jimmy Cooney's to your uh, to your brawls, which happen regularly enough in the GA Meath, Mayo 96, for example. But anyway, go on. Well, the Pope is coming to Ireland next year and apparently the All-Ireland final will be moved to accommodate him. But it is not the first time that this has happened. Mm, when did it happen before? 1979. Pope John Paul II marched JP2. in and said, you'll have to put back that match, lads. Yep. Not on my watch. And that wouldn't stand to the traditionalists. No. Now, the only thing is, it was such a mono-religious uh, country at that time that uh, and 2.7 people went yeah. to visit him that I suppose everyone was, fair enough, happy enough. Well, the two religions combined, didn't they? The GA and the Catholic Church. What an altar to worship at. Exactly. But these days, there's atheists like you everywhere. 
There is. And non-practicing Catholics like myself. Well, you say you call me an atheist, but you guarantee if ever the time comes where I have an Oshin Jr. or a Roshin, uh, <laughs> then I will be going to the school, the best one in the district, and saying, oh, you know, we're practicing Catholics. Oh, she, she stroke he is baptised in the whole lot. <laughs> oh, we'll go through all that rigmarole. I'll be, uh, I'm what I call, I, I, I'm what I would say, uh, I'm, I'm a convenient, a Catholic of convenience. Mm. Well, it suits. And um, so tell us, why is it so controversial? Well, because you're moving the All-Ireland Final. Which is sacrosanct. Which is sacrosanct, although it has been done before. And you, when this was initially mentioned, I said, how dare they? You know, that, How dare the Catholic Church be so arrogant? And how dare the GA back down to them? But they've moved All-Irelands for big events before and they've moved games for big events before. And some of those things have actually happened in Crow Park. Concerts, for example. Yeah, American football. Exactly, yeah. And the Ryder Cup. So I started thinking to myself, okay... There's probably a anti-church buzz among us bearded lefties in the media and maybe those of our demographic. And when this was mentioned, we thought to ourselves, oh, the church having such a say again, blah, blah, blah. But the Pope coming here is a big deal for a lot of people. And I absolutely respect their right to think it's a big deal. 2.7 million people went out to watch him the last time he played here. Although I don't, I, I, I don't think you would say he played here. I don't think that's the term when you're well, talking about a Maybe they need to work these things together rather yeah. than pushing, Put on back, a bit of a show. pushing back the All-Irelands and affecting the club schedule, which mm. is my big motivation here because club players get it left, right and centre enough as it is. Why not kind of bring the Pope in together and maybe get him to throw in the ball in Phoenix Park and whatever a million people show up. It's Mayo Kerry, it's Mayo Dublin, it's Dublin Kerry. Fill the place out. And he's let's a do well, this thing right. Let's do it in knock. Inside and knock. Yeah, the, the religious element and the football element. And Mayo deserve an All-Ireland final. They do. And yeah. uh, maybe with the Pope involved, as you said yourself, uh, he can banish the curse. That's right, yeah. He would have the connections to do so. No better man. But He's my, got a direct line. Yeah, my point is, is on mature reflection, this is a big deal to people, so why not move it? They've, they've moved All-Ireland finals for other events such as the Ryder Cup, so why should this be any different? Not for me. But that's strictly because of the club thing. It's not a, why should they move it for the church thing, is it? Yeah, oh, it's, it's okay. just the club thing. Yeah. Okay. And Shane, of course, they will need people to serve the mass. Were they, you an altar boy back in the day? I was. I used Are to you volunteering your services? Swing, I used to swing the tabernacle as if it was a 35-inch hurley. And the smell of it as well, the incense or smoke or whatever it was, yeah. absolutely I was a good delightful. Man to, I was a good man to rattle the bell. I had a good bell rattle. Had you? Yeah. Actually, one memory of I'll being an altar boy, one memory of being an altar boy stands <clears throat> out. Uh-oh. It was for the Stations of the Cross. and He's been stood down since. Yeah, yeah. And my memory is, is that Declan Prendergast was also serving that day, the former Waterford Hurler. Mm-hmm. And Declan was always a big, strong lad, even back then, you know. Uh, his voice broke at about six. So you can imagine me at the age of maybe 10, tiny little me, and I had a giant head, but a tiny body, and I was very, very small. And a girly voice. And a girly voice. Not much has changed, in truth. Uh, But I got the job of holding the cross, Mm. and it was such a big, heavy yoke. And I wouldn't give up. I was like Jesus. I wouldn't give up. I kept carrying that thing. But <laughs> Not a bad comparison. <laughs> a, if I do say so myself. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a real struggle. But I got through it. It was like, it's, I imagine it was like training for the Clare Hurlers under Loch Nan circa 94, 95 onwards. Yeah. Or Mick O'Dwyer sending the boys yeah. up and down the dunes. Yeah, they had the wire to wire running. I had the holding the cross and making sure I didn't fall over and embarrass the family. Which I, I, you know, I obviously went on to do anyway. 
yeah. well that was a nice place to finish anyway thanks very much Oshin uh, everyone can abuse you on at Oshin Langan yeah and you can abuse me on at Shane Saint as well thanks I'm very still much. available to serve mass by the way he if, is if, of you're, course. if you're tipping thanks very much bye bye Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGregor. Surely give it in, Conor. Oh, what a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 meter line. Kane, Mackie's still going. Goal is out for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. Will stick in your mind at the championship show car. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, work the street. <laughs> been a look, Donovan Cornerback. Wild effort on goal. It's on the